Hello and welcome to How to Start Up, a podcast for anyone starting a company in 2020. This is a collection of conversations with people who have all successfully started, run and even sold their own companies, sharing not only professional but personal experiences on what we should be doing now, next or never. Today I speak to Will Davies, co-founding director of HBD Partners. He shares advice on the importance of legally protecting your business right from the start. Also, how to manage the pressures and responsibilities of being a new business owner and what steps you might be able to take to look after your teams, especially whilst working remotely. Hello, Will. How are you? I'm really well, Juliet. How are you? I'm really well, thanks. Except I must admit, I am talking to you from what I think is the only carpeted fire escape in London. Um, meeting over ran and I couldn't get home in time to do our recording, so I managed to find this quiet spot. But anyway, it would be wonderful if you could take a minute to introduce yourself, your company and how you got started. Okay, so my name is Will Davis. I'm one of the two directors at HBD Partners, and we are a specialist hospitality recruitment business. So we recruit a variety of functions, including general managers, HR, revenue, sales, marketing, um, heads of departments such as restaurant managers, bar managers, into hotels primarily, but also into other areas of hospitality such as restaurants, venues, service departments and travel. Amazing. And how long has HBD Partners been going for now? We have been going for just over three years. It was our third birthday last month. Happy birthday. What was it in your background that drove you to start this company? Mm. So my background is I started in hospitality. I actually worked in hotels and did that for eight years, working for a hotel in Wimbledon Village and then Thistle Hotels in central London. And after eight years of that, Thistle Hotels actually approached me to go and work in marketing in their head office, which was great. I had great fun there, massive learning curve, and did that for two years. And then Thistle decided to move their head office from central London out to Heathrow. So I didn't fancy that, the commute. So I left. And as I decided to leave, a company called Portfolio approached me to work in recruitment, but recruiting sales and marketing people into hotels. So a natural progression, I thought. Again, a massive learning curve, but really enjoyed every second of it, working with lots of different hotels, lots of different people in hospitality and hotels and sales and marketing people in particular, who are always really good fun, and did that for 12 years. And then it got to the point where I realized that I'd kind of achieved everything I wanted to do with Portfolio. I had a great time there, learned from some amazing people. And I thought, what's the next step for me? You know, I, I want to keep going in this industry, but I wanted to do it in a slightly different way. So together with another colleague of mine, we got chatting and thought, actually, you know, we want to do this slightly differently. We still enjoy doing it. We still enjoy the sectors, but we, we thought we have a different approach to it. So we decided to set up on our own which was a massive uh, big step for us because we'd always had the power of the brand behind us, the, the, the firm that we worked for. So going it alone was very daunting. But as soon as we started, we very quickly realized that actually all the people that we had dealt with over my 12 years in recruitment, all the people I dealt with, you know, they'd bought into me as a person rather than the brand because they very quickly wanted to follow us to the new business, which was great and very reassuring and encouraging. So once you decided to leave, what was the first step you took? We created a business plan, which is the first thing, which was a very broad brush kind of top level business plan of what we wanted to achieve. And more importantly, what our kind of ethos and our culture was behind the company. But the first thing we did, which is actually the big step forward, which is actually a very small step. We spoke to an accountant 
he'd come recommended to us. We spoke to him and said, how, you know, how do we get this off the ground? And he played around his computer for five minutes, said, what's the name of the company? We said HBD Partners. And he went on to his computer, went into company's house and said, there we go, I've set you up. You're a limited company. You officially exist. Day one right there. Which was a, which was a massive moment, sat in his office, just looking at each other going, oh, wow, we are now company directors of a company. And from then on, it was very, I say very straightforward, considering neither of us had done this before. It was thinking about it, it was very daunting, but actually breaking it down into sort of bite-sized chunks, as it were, you know, getting the company registered getting a VAT number, getting a bank account, you know, all these little things that you do that are actually quite easy steps in themselves. But actually, when you think about it initially, it's quite daunting. And then once it's done, it's done. You're fully fledged. You've just got to get on with it. Exactly. And then, you know, some of the fun stuff came up then. So getting laptops and computers, you know, <laughs> um, getting a telephone system. and The best kind of shopping, shopping for tech. Shopping for tech. Yeah, that was really good. I mean, admittedly, you know, we were spending money that we didn't have yet. We put, we each put money into the business, but we knew we had to spend that money. Yeah. And then it was a case of getting some business on. And, you know, we both had hands off clauses with our previous employers which you know we adhered to and um, so it was a case of finding new business and what was the best piece of advice you were first given Ooh, i took advice from lots of different people actually anything particular to business partnerships one to protect the business so we had uh, a shareholders agreement set up very early on which cost us a fair bit of money. I mean, we had to get a lawyer to draft it and go through it. And it's the best thing we ever did because it protects and continues to protect the business um, in terms of, you know, if something was to happen to me or something was to happen to my business partner, there is a plan. You know, we know what will happen in a myriad of eventualities if I was to get sick or Mark was to get sick, my business partner, or, one of, or we fall out, God forbid. Somebody actually quite senior in a consulting firm said to me, you know, when you're drawing up this legal shareholders agreement, you've got to think of the worst thing that, that can happen to you or the worst thing that your business partner can do to you because you never know what might happen in the future. You know, you're getting on famously now, which we do. Um, but at the same time, you know, you've got to protect yourself. Is it a little bit like a company prenup? Kind of. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it also encompasses uh, an insurance policy as well. So if one of us was to die, sadly, then money gets paid out to the other one to pay for the, the other half of the business. But again, all these things you've got to think about, you know, when you own a business, what will happen to make sure it's all seamless and, and easy to deal with if the worst case happens, you know. And there was me thinking what startup friendly bank account I should open was the most important decision in week one. But actually, you really need to consider worst case scenario in 20 years time and work backwards. Yeah, exactly. Those lawyers must have come up with some really interesting scenarios for you both. Oh, yeah. I mean, talking to the lawyers, you know, they were, you know, they were saying things like, you know, what happens if you fall out? And we were like, oh, well, we don't fall out. We always agree on everything. And she was like, at some point, you will, you will disagree on something. So what's going to happen then? And, you know, and the, the, all these stages of mediation, so we've put a clause in for mediation. If that doesn't work, you know, voting rights and things like that. And so when your friends still at the beginning, just go through all the worst case scenarios you could possibly face together, have a laugh about it, write it down, sign it, put it in a safe and hopefully never ever see it again. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And the good thing is, is that a lot of, well, there's probably two or three different um, solutions that cover a lot of scenarios, you know, and also there are, there are pr protections in place, you know, so that my business partner or I can't run off with the money, can't clear out the bank account, run off with the money. Well, well, you do like to travel. I do. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, um, yeah. But you've got to think about these things as well. You know, like, do you trust the other person implicitly to, but so we've put a cap on 
in the bank account or how much money can we, we can withdraw in one go. And I think another piece of advice that I was really grateful for was the recommendation of a really good accountant. He's been instrumental in helping us out with running a business, as it were, efficiently. What is it about running your own company that you really now love? Oh, crikey. So this is one of the weirdest things because it took a a long time. It took about a year to, to actually sink in that I didn't report to anybody. It is very different. I'm a lot more relaxed in many ways. Because, you know, yes, we have targets. Yes, you know, we want to make money. Yes, we have KPIs. But at the same time, I don't answer to anyone. So apart from Mark, in a way, but it's such a weight off my shoulders. I I never thought I'd feel this. There is an element of freedom to it. I mean, the best moment so far in the three years was when the first invoice was paid. And when we saw the money hit that bank, our bank account, I was smiling from ear to ear all day. I mean, I can't even describe the elation I was feeling because we were looking at each other going, oh, wow, this actually works. We can do this. <laughs> I've heard it a few times from lots of different people that when you earn that money, it belongs to the business, not you. So don't touch it. It's a very, very good point. But Mark and I are quite lucky because we're both quite frugal. And, you know, initially we said, oh, you know, we'll keep a third in the business and then a third will we'll take as dividends. And actually, as we've grown the business, we haven't needed to take that third out. We've kept two thirds in the bank, which I'm now at this point in time forever grateful for, because keeping a lot of money in the bank has kept us going through this pandemic. Now that you're three years in, is there a bit of being self-employed that you don't enjoy? I'd have to say a couple of things. It's not that I don't enjoy them. It's the realisation that you are responsible for a business. So it's a different kind of it's not really stress or pressure, but it's a different thing in the back of your mind, knowing that, you know, you are a director of a business, so you have legal obligations. The other thing is we hired two people at the beginning of this year. Now we are responsible for them. And it's been fascinating creating that culture, identifying what we want, how we want to be perceived, how we want people to, you know, to, to behave and act and, and work with us. And so now we've hired two people and it's about keeping them engaged and looking out for them, you know, helping them with their work, making sure that they've got the tools and the skills and everything to do their job to the best of their ability. And also to make them feel valued and make them, you know, realize that, you know, how much we appreciate them and the work they're doing. And it's been incredibly difficult, especially since lockdown, because they've been working remotely. One came on board five days before lockdown. We've all had to adjust. Yeah. And especially when your entire business revolves around people. And I hate to use this word because I think it's massively overused, but you've pivoted your business to being people facing every hour of the day to working remotely. Do you have any advice on that? I think for us, it was very much about giving them a clear direction and a framework to work within. We're loving Microsoft Teams at the moment because we can literally just video call each other at the press of a button. And it's not just checking in, you know, about their work. You know, we ask them how they're doing. You know, they've both got families. We see their families in the background. It's asking them how that's going, how they're getting on, how their mental health is. And, uh, you know, we sent them both birthday cards because they both had birthdays during lockdown. Given that you would normally be out and about meeting people face to face, how have you tackled the last six months in winning new business? We've done, we had a two-pronged approach. So we've continued to work with some of our loyal clients. And we've also tapped into a handful of new hotels opening or new, you know, businesses that are still doing well, such as sectors related to to hospitality and travel. So hospitality software. So we're diversifying the spectrum of clients that we work with and then pivoting into 
that is that pivoting word again, into, into related sectors. But equally, what we've also done is we've launched a new service. What we've also offering now is a CV screening service. A few clients have taken us up on that as well, because it just saves them time and effort and it speeds up the process and they can fill that position a lot quicker. Given that your founder story is still quite fresh and you've got three years under your belt, and I'm sure there's been a heck of a lot of hours in those three years, but is there anything you would go back and do differently? I think what we would probably do differently is we wouldn't rush into working with suppliers without checking them out properly. There's one example, we had our fingers burnt by working with a telecoms provider that that came recommended to us. And we didn't then compare and contrast with other suppliers. We wanted a phone system that had voicemail. We wanted a phone system that would then, you know, divert to our mobiles if we didn't pick them up in the office so we could work, you know, remotely. And somebody came recommended to us. So we talked to them. We thought they were expensive, but we thought, well, we want all this newfangled jiggery-pokery. Quite quickly, they proved to be, I hate to say this, but very ineffective. It cost us a bit of money to get out, which is a real shame. But frankly, it was a small price to pay because we then just went with BT who've been amazing. And finally, is there any really random eclectic piece of advice that you'd offer somebody starting out? Another piece of advice I'd give you is to to have confidence in yourself and in your brand. I think if you just keep going and believe in yourself and know that what you've got is a viable business and what you're offering is what people want, and the service that you offer is either, you know, slightly different to what other people offer, or if you have, you know, a unique selling point to really focus on it and have faith. When we left our previous employer and set up the business, you know, in the back of our minds, we were a bit like, oh, you know, of course, this is going to work. You know, everybody likes us. You know, we've done really well in our previous jobs, but you never know. It's really scary. And it's like jumping into the abyss. Isn't it just? You can feel completely out at sea and out of your depth. Someone else had once mentioned that if you do feel like you're about to sink or swim, make sure you know where your anchor points are. So knowing your stability points that may be slightly out of reach, but they're there for you, really, really helps take that deep breath. And at the beginning, was there anything that you did that really gave you that sense of encouragement? I remember the day we sat down in my flat because we worked out of my flat for the first three months and put on LinkedIn. We're excited to announce HBD Partners. After a month, we had 1,500 people liking, sharing, commenting on it. And, and, and all these po- amazing positive comments coming from clients who we'd worked with and candidates we'd worked with previously as well. So it was a massive leap of faith for us, but we really believed in what we were doing. So a really big step into the unknown. Exactly. And I had a massive fear of the unknown. I mean, that's what prevented me doing it sooner, really, was the fear of the unknown. You know, I don't have a power of the company brand behind me that I worked for previously. I was going out on my own as a person um, with a business partner, again, which, you know, at the beginning, you're thinking, oh, I hope this works out and we get on. But, you know, slowly but surely, day by day, you start to build your network and your reputation. And, you know, we've stuck by our guns in terms of, you know, we, we outlined very clearly at the beginning what our our USPs were, you know, what our features and benefits were, what our, our our culture was. That's been really important to us in terms of our values. So you've got to remember, you know, if you say you're open-minded, be open-minded. You know, if a member of your team says, I want to do something, and you say, no, no we can't do it, we don't do it that way, that's not you living and breathing the culture. So we really pride ourselves on that. And it's good because Mark and I bounce off each other in, in that way. You know, we're very lucky because he's very rational and very business-minded and very facts-driven. I'm very kind of emotional and how does it make everyone feel? And, and because we balance really well on that, I think it works really well for our culture. 
And it's so impressive that you set out from the very beginning what kind of company culture you wanted to create for your teams. And given that people are at the heart of your business, that does make total sense. But it's really lovely to see how that's now playing out. Just say thank you so much, Will, for all of that. It's really, really interesting to chat to you about this and wishing HBD partners all the best. Thanks, Julia. It's been a real pleasure. Over the years, Will has been a great counsel to me when it comes to understanding how the recruitment industry works, as well as a great source of new travel destinations to visit, a true expert in his field. And as a natural people person, it comes as no surprise to me that HBD partners are doing so well under his and Mark's stewardship, even in these uncertain times. If you'd like to contact Will, you can find all of his details in the show notes, along with his recommendations and a recap of all the advice he has shared. Thank you for listening to How to Start Up, hosted by me, Juliet Fallowfield, founder of PR consultancy for startups, Fallowfield and Mason. I hope these conversations offer you some confidence, encouragement and reassurance that you're on the right track. I would be delighted if you'd rate, review and share this podcast with anyone else who might be starting a company in 2020.